All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by the Falcoholics, Corey Woodruff. He's going to be talking with me today about the Falcons' Week 3 loss to the Indianapolis Colts. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at FalcFans, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today I am joined by the Falcoholics, Corey Woodruff. He's going to be talking with us about this week three loss with, for the Falcons against the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to be talking a bit about sort of what's going on with the team, uh, sort of how do they fix some of these issues. And of course, we'll talk a little bit more about the potential loss and impact of injuries, specifically with Keanu Neal and whatnot. So, Corey, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, what's going on, dude? How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I, I'd be doing a little bit better if I was talking with you about the Falcons having a win. But I think, uh, you know, I imagine most people listening to the podcast right now are in the same sort of place. But I like having you on, Corey, after losses because I think you have a more grounded uh, perspective on some of these games. Um, so I'm curious to see if you're if you live up to those expectations on today's episode. Thank you. I certainly couldn't have done that after the Vikings game, but I feel like I'm a bit more myself because I don't know, man. After that game, I was about ready to go down to Flowery Branch myself with pink slips. I mean, I was just. But I'm good now, I think. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm curious, why are you good? Even though it seems like, at least from my reading of Falcons Twitter, the you know I wouldn't say the the reactions are stronger this time because the reactions were pretty strong after that Week One game. But it seems in certain areas that people have, you know, I won't call it overreacting, but people have sort of looked at this game as you know, particularly when it's come to Dan Quinn and his coaching staff, sort of being the thing that firmly puts this coaching staff on the hot seat. I think I saw a couple of people talking about how like they'd be surprised if Dan Quinn last passed the bye week uh, later this season. So I'm curious sort of why are you good, uh, as you say, with with, uh, the Falcons after this uh, disappointing loss to the Colts? Well, there's two things. And one of them is very depressing. And one of them I think is reassuring. Um, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I think that I can go ahead and see where the winds are blowing right now. And I can just go ahead and say that this is not a team that is built to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't mean that in any way to make people super, super sad. But I think when you look realistically look at what this team is right now, what they've shown, what I think their ceiling is, I don't think they're going to quite get there. Like I still think this can be a playoff team. I think the NFC South is very – porous right now i mean the saints seem to be stabilizing a bit with bridgewater starting but like even then you know we still need to see that week in week out even though i think teddy's a good quarterback but i don't know i i I just i think when you lower your expectations it hurts a little less and i think you're part of the reason why i kind of learned to do that a while back is that you know the falcons are never as good as we hope they're going to be but i don't also think they're ever as bad as people fear but I also think that this talk about Quinn getting fired midseason and all this, all that, I think once you finally like, take a breath, you're like, that's never going to happen. 
Um, Arthur Blank really likes Dan Quinn. I think he trusts Dan Quinn. Um, I think that he values his leadership skills, and I think that he's, you know, again, Blank is a longtime CEO, and I think when you talk about what leaders you put in charge of your franchises, he's seen Quinn navigate this team through the worst loss in, like, pro football history, okay? Like, he saw them get to the playoffs the year after. He saw them make it through the offseason after going – eight and eight last year managing all the injuries i mean if everybody seems to be happy inside that locker room then i don't think there's a way in here or there that they're gonna like pull the plug on him um cutter is not a very good head coach the falcons know that because they beat him a lot of times like that would be your most logical explanation if something like that happened but like i i just don't think that this team is just like this big fireball thing. I mean, they almost won yesterday. Like, uh, that's the thing that I think I'm trying to, like, think about is that we could be talking about a disappointing win because of Neil's injury and the way they started the game. But you look at the way the offense played the second half, and it was pretty darn good. I mean, they really – Matt Ryan kind of shook off what was going on. It kind of felt like a wake-up call almost. And, like, I think Cutter's doing a pretty good job. I don't think he's perfect at all, but I think he's – adjusting to what he's doing and I think the offense is moving the ball pretty easily on a really good Colts defense and I just I think they're going to get better I think that losing Neil stinks and I think they'll find the best way around that they can and you know I think this team is like showing you flashes of really good showing you flashes of really bad but the problem is is that they're just not world beaters this year and it's just like they began to show that against Carolina in that Super Bowl season they had those games where, like, something is really special here. But they're, they're not special. And I think that's what makes me kind of readjust to say, I'd love to have a fun season, beat some teams that you enjoy beating, but I just don't think this team is built to just go on the road and win against one of these gritty playoff teams in the NFC. Okay. So uh, we'll come back and get more thoughts on Corey's outlook on this team, this game, and, and other things moving forward in just a moment. But I want to let everybody out there listening that Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, go and visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. There's nothing better than at the end of a hard week sitting down and taking some time to watch some football. Game-winning drives, running backs racing down the sideline, there's nothing else quite like the NFL. And there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, just like me, you should try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with MyBookie. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON to double your first deposit. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Corey. You know, I, I think your perspective on, you know, the team right now is fair because it's similar to mine. And, of course, if you agree with me, then you're correct. And if you disagree with me, then you're <laughs> incorrect. That's just the way the world works. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, some of, one of the things that I do want to pick up on is you talking about this team not being a Super Bowl team, but you still thinking this team can be a playoff team. And, I'm, you know, I'm curious sort of where are your thoughts on certain things that you want to see this team improve upon to become that more consistent team and round into more of that team that can legitimately challenge for one of the six spots, uh, you know, in the NFC to play in January? You know, I think you obviously, I think it's just consistency. I think the biggest thing that disappoints me and why I had a lot of pause coming in um, to looking at this game afterwards is that this is just inexcusable. I mean, the sloppy play, the penalties, the lack of a hot start. I mean, to me, this is all correctable stuff, and I think it really is inexcusable with a team that's as talented and, quite frankly, a coaching staff that is as talented. Because regardless of the Quinn fever right now that's going around, like I think Dan Quinn's a good coach. And I think that he has shown that while he sometimes struggles with game management stuff, like he, by and large, is a good coach. And that defensive scheme he put together um, was no joke against Philly last week. And I think that the defense just came out of the gate just playing really sloppily and disorganized. and. I think it's inexcusable, but I'm much happier saying that than just feeling like, oh, they're doomed. Oh, they're just not going to figure it out. I, Dan Quinn took this team to a Super Bowl, and that didn't happen that long ago. It gets longer and longer the more we do this. But, like, I just want to see them – and, again, I understand that his style of gameplay kind of lends itself to this organization because they kind of go for this quote-unquote organized chaos, but it's just not quite getting as organized it's, the chaos happens, but now it's bad because they're not reining it in. And again, the Seattle style will either make or break you. I mean, we saw it in Seattle work for years, and then they hit their lull when the talent began to kind of fade out and guys began to leave. It just didn't quite serve them as well as it normally did. And I think that's what's happening in Atlanta is that when things are not completely going the way they want it to, they just don't perform as well because they're not organically disciplined. And I think that's the Achilles heel of the Dan Quinn team is that they are not organically disciplined. The way he wants to build his organization, the way he wants to coach, it's not the Patriots. It's not this come in, do your job, hard nose. We're not buddies. You go in there, we're, we're working, it's a job. They really want to build a kind of a familial culture. And I think when you do that, you risk allowing your players to go into more of a disciplined mode and quite frankly, probably be a bit afraid of consequences if you don't go out there and perform. Like, I don't think Dan Quinn is going to have this team running, you know, laps around the field after making penalties, okay? I know they have their tell-the-truth Monday they do, but again, I don't think this team is particularly disciplined, and I think that's how Dan Quinn wants it. I think he wants to kind of bring in this merry band of troubadours that's going to come in week out, week out, and play for each other and hit the nose as hard as they can, but then do it together in brotherhood. And I think that those platitudes are the reason that they got good, but I think that right now they're suffering from a lack of organizational discipline. And I don't know if that's going to change, but I also don't know if like this is just going to be the way it's going to be because I, I, I think that they'll get better, but I just don't know like how better it's going to be possible. Now, I thought you, you mentioned something interesting there. You said like, you know, the way that he's built this team in this locker room and the culture and all that sort of things and the idea of, you know the brotherhood and playing for one of each, for one another and each other, um, and so it seems like you're you're trying to build a culture where the players you know sort of hold themselves accountable 
to their actions as opposed to, you know, maybe the sort of top down perspective that I think, you know, most people are a little bit more familiar with where it's the sort of the coach that is sort of holding the reins and, and, you know, cracking the whip as it is. Do you feel, you know, I think you kind of danced around this, but um, do you feel like that has to change in order for them to get things back on track or, or do you feel like this locker room, uh, given some of their past success, um, but, you know, now you're looking at a player, losing a player like Keanu Neal, who certainly was a integral part of sort of, you know, maybe the leadership and, and being sort of that enforcer on the defense and they lose him. Um, do you feel like that's something that can resolve itself on its own or does Dan Quinn have to be a little bit more of that disciplinarian and crack the whip a little bit more uh, in the coming weeks? It's tricky. I mean, that really is a dicey ground where things could either fix themselves or they could begin to sour. Because, again, the Falcons aren't special. I said that earlier. Like, they're not averse to having mid-change. They're not, like, averse to making bad decisions, obviously. But, you know, this players in this locker room, are they're very used to the way Dan Quinn operates. And I think they really like it. And I think that's why there's not a lot of, contention and we just don't see a lot of players that are unhappy i think that's the reason why people resign pretty easily once things get going i think they've built a happy place but one of the bad things would be is if dan quinn like changes his mentality and starts getting after guys that could completely backfire and they just completely like well hold on a second you know you're you're telling us that you're you know you're out there running with us and playing in practice and you're playing music the whole time and I don't think that this team would make it. I think that you would have to do a complete organizational change, and that would require changing out not just Dan Quinn, but Thomas Dimitrov and the way that he gets his players in. I mean, I think that if they want to change the, you know, atmosphere that they have, I mean, they would just have to do it in January, and the season would have to go completely off the rails. And that's why I'm very – I don't think even if the season is like an 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, they're going to fire Dan Quinn. I, I think that this is the guy Arthur Blank believes in. I think he his patience is wearing thin, but at the same time, I'm much more adept to think that Dimitrov would be the one to take the heat. But even then, they've been working together so long. I, it's hard. I mean, them firing Smitty was something that we all saw coming after the just the lack of you know interested play. But again, you're right. This is a player-run team, it feels like. And it feels like the coaching staff almost works congruently with the players rather than over them. And losing Neil is very painful. And that's a guy that's one of their leaders on the backfield. And we saw what happened last year when they lost their leaders, like Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal and Deion Jones and Grady Jarrett for a stretch. Um, They need leaders. And, you know, I think a guy like Tack McKinley is playing so well right now because he has someone like Adrian Claiborne to help guide him. Because a lot of these younger players have to have pros help them get where they want to go. You remember a guy like Roddy White who had to have, I think, Michael Jenkins kind of help him understand the NFL and really kind of put him in the right position to help him know what he needed to do. And, I, you know, I think that the Falcons need those leaders. And when they lose those leaders, it doesn't doesn't help anything. But I think the long and short of it is, like, this is who the Falcons are. And I think the best thing we can hope for is that Quinn's ideas and the way he coaches fix a lot of this. Because, again, it's like this is the NFL. There's no team that is decided right now. Last year, this time, we are talking about the injuries for Russell Westing, Steve Sarkeesian's offense put up like 40 points a game, okay? Like, they completely fell apart in November. We have no idea where this is going to go. And I think that one thing that 
I had to catch myself on in week one. It just really felt like lifeless. But they kind of came alive in week two, and they played half a game last uh, on Sunday. And I thought that the half game they played, they looked pretty well. But it's just the consistency is not there. And I don't know how they fix it. I think that there are bad consequences of the season if it really does kind of go off the rails a little bit. But I just don't think that it's just going to be this like four and 11 nightmare people are expecting. I think it's going to be much more even tempered and just not quite good enough. And it just depends if like Arthur Blank is still okay with that and feels that it'll improve as it is. So we'll come back and get uh, Corey's thoughts, talk a little bit more about the offense um, in just a moment. But uh, before we get there, I'm going to let you guys know that fantasy football is going on strong. Even if the Falcon season isn't going that well, uh, your fantasy football season might be going well. And if it's not going too well, if it is going well, you should be checking out the Lock On Fantasy Football podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer. Vinny has many years, many decades worth of experience covering fantasy football. You can find the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Okay, Corey, uh, let's talk about the offense. And, you know, we haven't, you know, you, you talked about it and how the Falcons played in the second half. And it's like, why can't we get that type of performance for, you know, in the first quarter or in the second quarter? Uh, and, and you've seen that in both of their road games where they got off to these really slow starts, seemingly made adjustments at halftime and then started to figure it out. Uh, why can't they do that, you know, right out of the gates? But, you know, before we get into that, I'm curious to get your thoughts on sort of Matt Ryan and the the turnovers. At least from my perspective on Matt Ryan, I think he's played mostly well. It just seems that anytime he makes a mistake, it results in a turnover, which one can argue is, is bad luck as opposed to, you know, other things. But obviously, I think it's been something that has been very problematic for this Falcon team um, and has put them into some bad spots in all three games. And it has forced them to have to try to climb out of those holes. I'm curious, sort of, what are your thoughts on Matt Ryan's performance in the turnovers this year? I think he's seen ghosts. I don't think Minnesota has it all fixed yet. I think that no one has remembered that he took a beating in that first game. I can't remember how many times he got sacked, but that offensive line was just a turnstile against a very, very good defensive line and a very hard-hitting defensive line. Not that any pass rushers don't hit hard, but Minnesota's got a nasty streak. And I feel like that Matt Ryan is not a young quarterback anymore. And I think when older quarterbacks take hits, and they they held up pretty well against Philly, but, like, he just – I don't know, he hasn't seen like himself 100% from that Minnesota game. And I really wonder if a lot of these bad decisions are coming just become – Maybe he's a little exhausted still. Maybe he's got some just general soreness he's trying to work through. Maybe it's made him a little more skittish as he's getting older in his career to have to take a beating like that. I mean, you know, great quarterbacks can have bad stretches. And I don't think Matt's had like a bad stretch, but he's made some really questionable decisions. And I think it's because he's nervous. I think he's playing a bit skittish for what we're typically used to. I think under Sark, he was in, he was getting, like, getting comfortable back in that routine. I don't think he's quite back at home in Cutter's system yet. And I think that the problems on the offensive line, I think that they've played pretty well the last two weeks against some pretty decent opponents. But that Minnesota, that Minnesota game I don't think has burned out of his team system yet, and I don't think it at all has burned out of Matt Ryan's. I mean, getting used to a new coordinator, trying to get used to a guy like Stalker, who I think he does trust and is trying to get more part of the game plan, 
because Matt's always enjoyed veteran tight ends, but I just think that it hasn't quite clicked yet. Um, but I'm also wondering if, like, maybe he's not seeing ghosts in an aggressive way, but, like, is just playing a bit more skittish this season because he just took such a beating to get started out. Do you feel like I do in it's really going to be on the offense to sort of pick up the slack because of some of the issues on the defense? We've never really been a defensive first team. We were hoping, I think a lot of us were hoping, coming off of the heels of that Eagles game, that you know the Falcons' defense would build upon that sort of win and carry that over into Indianapolis and really put the clamps on the Colts' offense. That was not the case at all, um, really. And so are we going to have to sort of, quote-unquote, revert back to being this offensive first team and so, therefore, some of the issues with the turnovers, with the lack of a running game, with some of the breakdowns in pass protection, with not being able to get guys like Calvin Ridley involved, with not being able to get really Julio Jones going in a lot of these games until, you know, the third, fourth quarter, you know, are we going to have to get back to that type of football where it is an offensive driven team and how much confidence do you have? in Dirk Cutter, in the players, in all these various things to sort of get things back on track? You know, I think that there is a lot of potential in this offense, but it also has to be a lot of expectation because look at the money they've invested. One of the top paid quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, now the top paid receiver, Julio Jones. Jake Matthews has gotten paid. Alex Mack is on a big contract. They've invested Calvin Ridley, uh, Caleb McGarry. When he gets back, Chris Lindstrom, big contracts pretty big for the quality of players that uh, James Carpenter and Javon Brown are. I mean, Devonta Freeman's still one of the highest paid running backs. Like they have poured resources. Mohamed Sanu's on a pretty good deal. Like Austin Hooper is a higher pick that's probably going to get paid here soon. Like you look at the resources that are available and the Falcons are trying, I think like they always have to kind of pay their way out of not having a good offense. And I think that they, always have been an offensive team since Matt Ryan has gotten here. We've never had a season where it's like, we're leaning on the defense this week. No, this is a, this is an offensive team. This is a team that any week is supposed to be able to put up 35 points and win shootouts. I mean, this is basically, this is what Thomas Dimitrov has built. This is his roster mentality is that I want to beat you with offense. And that would, that's what gets people in the seats at Mercedes Benz. Okay. This is a completely organizational systemic, idea to have a good offense and then when they went to get dirt cutter that was supposed to be keeping matt with someone he's familiar with he's supposed to be a top light play caller and the offense has been really disappointing this year i mean the most points they've scored this year came sunday which is crazy to me like that's that's the most and i believe that philly they had what 24 as well so maybe it was equal both weeks but this is not an offense. And again, these are good defenses too. So I think you have to keep in mind that there's been a lot of really strong defensive competition the first three weeks. The Colts, even though they didn't have Darius Leonard out there, Matt Eberflus has done a really nice job for them. He's gotten a lot out of guys that normally probably wouldn't get as much out of a lot of rosters. These are three really good defenses. But at the same time, Tennessee's got a good defense. The, The good defenses don't go away. There has to be a point where your supposedly elite offense is just supposed to go out there and be an elite offense. The Falcons right now have a pretty good offense, and that is inexcusable to me. And I feel like that that's been the biggest problem this year is that the offense is – now Matt's turning the ball over a lot. And they lost the game yesterday, I think, because of that pick. Because if they had gone down there and scored, I mean, I think they actually probably would win that game. 
um, mistakes, penalties. I think a lot of it is just organizational problems because they're you're not used to Matt Ryan making mistakes like this. Cutters not spraying the ball around like he should. Uh, they're just now getting the run game going with Devonta Freeman. It's just like they get one going and then the passing game stalls. Like I like the way Austin Hooper has been playing, but it's just very consistent. And I feel like that maybe that's because they're getting used to a new coordinator and it's just going to take some time. They're trying to gel a new offensive line. Matt Ryan's getting used to getting Calvin Ridley more involved, which I think is something that needs to happen very aggressively. Like Julio Jones is getting still conditioned to kind of running after not playing a lot during the preseason. I don't know. There's just a lot of little things that add up. But to me, the big thing is just that, like, if it stays like this, then we're not getting much out of this team. Um, I'm not saying you have to have a Shanahan offense. I don't think that's possible. I think that the fact that that's not possible is kind of sobering to me in a very exact way because it's kind of like makes you wonder, like, was that what made us what we were? And I think it was. And it's kind of like, well, if that doesn't come back, is this going to be enough until we have to go through an inevitable coaching change? I have no idea. But I think that at the end of the day, they've just got to get better. I think they will. I think this offense will figure things out just with the talent alone. I think when Ryan gets more comfortable and he begins to kind of see things on his own. But I don't know. It's just Cutter's a comfortable coordinator for that Ryan. And one of the things I've always worried about in the back of my mind is that Ryan doesn't play to his potential when he plays comfortably. Um, I think that Shanahan pulled him out of his shell a little bit. And I think that having a guy like Sark, who's an experience, put more pressure on Matt Ryan to kind of lead things. And I feel like Cutter is a bit of a reversion. Mike Malarkey's back on staff. Like, you're kind of – the way Matt's been playing recently is kind of reminding me a bit more of how he played pre-Shanahan. And that's a little worrisome to me. Uh, that kind of makes me wonder if sometimes Matt Ryan holds himself back. Um, by getting comfortable. And I think he's a great quarterback and a great competitor, but I think that it helps sometimes to have a little bit of pressure. So that's something I've always wondered about Ryan is like maybe it does help him sometimes to not have everything going the way he needs it to so he can kind of tap into his potential. But who's to say? I think in general the offense right now is just disappointing, even though they've had a really nice second half and they seem to be showing they're playing better, but I don't think this can maintain, obviously. Well, Corey, I appreciate you coming on. I guess the last little tidbit I, I would like from you, uh, since you are in Nashville and sort of you, uh, you know, are around sort of this Titans team who are the Falcons' next opponent, you know, do you feel reasonably confident that the Falcons at home uh, can face a, a Titans team that is also sort of reeling a little bit after sort of two disappointing losses in, in back-to-back weeks? Uh, sort of what is the buzz surrounding the Titans currently in the city of Nashville? Well, there's a lot of pressure on Marcus Mariota's shoulders. Um, he's kind of not playing to what he's typically doing this year. Um, he's kind of being more of a game manager than kind of being that guy who threw the ball to himself and won a playoff game in Kansas City. Um, I think Marcus is a great competitor, but I think that Arthur Smith has taken over as the offensive coordinator that's not quite going as well as folks would hope. There's already some people who want Ryan Tannehill to start, but I'm not looking this Titans team over because they have a lot of talent on that offense. Corey Davis is really coming into his own. I think that's going to be a really hard matchup. Delaney Walker is a stalwart tight end. He's always been really good. Johnny Smith, and now you're missing Keanu Neal, so you're going to have to really watch the way the tight end maneuvers now. Like I think this is actually going to be a pretty tough game because the Titans defense is quite good. Um, they have a really good pass rush. Jarrell Casey is continually one of the most underrated players in the NFL. 
Um, they have really good linebacking play. Um, Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown is a really good combo for them. They have a pretty strong secondary. Kevin Byard, obviously, is going to be a gigantic problem for the team. This is not an easy game, and I think the Falcons could absolutely lose it if they don't play their best. And I think that people who kind of circle this one as an easy, it's at home, it's the Titans, but, you know, the last time these teams played, it came down to Robinson Therese picking off that Mecklenburger. If you'd like to know how dismal 2015 was, those were the the, the, uh, things that were deciding games, but I don't think this is going to be an easy game at all. I think it's going to be close. I think that the Titans are better. They're they're not a team that is always going to win, but they give you a fight. And they have these just random weeks where they just beat really good teams. Like, they beat the Patriots and the Eagles last year. Um, that's the thing. They just had these random games where they just beat the stuffing out of great football teams, and then they get to the playoffs, and they just wilt. And they, they've never made any sense here. It's part of the reason why I'm always glad I didn't. Stick with that like the original plan was when I was seven. But, um, you know, I think that anybody who thinks this game is going to be like a good rebound game for the Falcons is completely discounting the talent that Tennessee has. Okay. Corey, uh, what you got coming up? Where can people find you? Where can they hit you up and, and plug whatever you want to plug? Sure. So I'm over at the Falcoholic. If you'd like to read my ramblings, I'm, I always have a weekly column, and I've just got some uh, – other little things I do for them here and there, so always be sure to check that out. And other than that, man, I'm I'm trying to uh, keep myself uh, busy with other things besides Falcon. Them, it's just hard to pay that much attention to it these days. But you know, I appreciate all the people who correspond with me on Twitter, and you know, it's always nice to have good, good, healthy Falcon conversations with folks. But yeah, this is just one of those seasons where you can begin to tell that the the oven's getting a little hot. Well, Corey, I appreciate you coming on. I want to say in person or over the phone, I guess, uh, congratulations on your engagement. Uh, oh, you know, thank you. You've got better things in your life uh, ahead <laughs> for you uh, than necessarily the Falcons at this, this current time. But hopefully the Falcons can give you a little bit of joy uh, before the, the calendar year of 2019 is up. So, uh, yeah, I'm again, hoping congratulations so. and good luck to you. Thanks, man. I think they will. I, I, I really feel right now that, the Falcons will get better. I think we'll have some good games this year. I'm just kind of wondering, like, maybe this is kind of it. All right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, Join me on uh, this episode of uh, Lockdown Falcons. We'll have to do it again uh, later. Hopefully, you know, some of these predictions or projections in terms of the team being able to turn their season around, uh, you know, I'm hoping and expecting you to be correct on that because I don't know what else I'm going to do if if they don't turn it around. So we'll see. Yeah, it's just like – I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a chance that this is just a mess and everything they did in the offseason didn't work and Cutter's just getting out of vogue. You know, it's just like, you can think like that. And I think it's easy for people to, but I just, if they fired Dan Quinn this season, how do you shoot? Like, there is just no way that's going to happen, right? Like, like Blank is, would never do that. I think he's already had the disaster piece of Bobby Petrino leaving this season. And I think his he doesn't want this team to be a laughing stock. And I think that if you fire your coach midseason, that's basically what it is. And it's just, I, I think that the, the odds of that happening are grossly low. Yeah, look, I, I'll say this. I I think it's un, very unlikely, but, you know, there is a scenario where they, you know, they lose like four straight or, or whatever yeah. the case may be and start sure. the season like one and six or one and seven. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to make it out of the bye week if that's the case. But I, I don't, at this current time, I, I, yeah. I think that's, 
a, a long shot to happen, but we'll we'll just sort of have to see if they can rebound. Yeah, that's my thing. I think if that happens, the Metroff goes too. Like that to me has long been like, come on, like surely we can get a new GM because Danklin never got to pick his own GM. And I've always wondered that Blank is curious, like what happens if Quinn gets to bring in somebody he likes and enjoys working with. And I don't know. I know they say he and Dimitrov work well together out front, but I've always kind of wondered if there might be a rift there. But then again, like, you know, anybody can get fired at any point. And Dan Quinn's had this job for half a decade now. So, you know, things get stale. I mean, the guys, people, guys don't buy messages anymore. You need to get organizational change. I mean, Smitty lasted a long time, but. I don't know. Maybe Quinn's just kind of a five-year coach, and he's a, but I think he would get a job like immediately. I don't think he would go back to being in DC. I think another team would swoop him up in a heartbeat. But you know, just it's weird. Like and I think he'd go somewhere and do well too. It's, you know, maybe he's just a coach that gets you two or three years of really good play before it kind of gets stale. Well, yeah. uh, once again, Corey, I appreciate you uh, joining me on today's episode, and uh, we'll talk later, man. Yeah, man, sounds good. You doing okay? Yeah, doing great. Good. As good, well, man. I guess as well as you possibly could, I guess. Yeah, I'm doing great. Fantastic, man. Well, I hope everything's going well. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Yeah, all right. Take care. I look forward to listening to it. All right, later. Hey, see you, bud. Okay, everyone. Another uh, recap in the books. Thanks for Corey for joining me. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a crossover episode. Hopefully we'll... It'll be available Wednesday morning, but as I'm sitting here recording this, I don't know if we'll have to record another Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening episode again. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you guys know on Twitter, follow me on Falcons or Locked On Falcons on Twitter, and I'll uh, let you guys know if when that episode is going to be dropping. But it should be out sometime Wednesday. And then Thursday we'll have a Q&A. And if you have any questions, that's when I will sort of look at the film and give my thoughts. So if you have specific questions, I've already gotten a couple on Twitter. I've got a couple via email as well. Uh, again, the Twitter address, if you want to send in those questions, it's best just to send them to Lockdown Falcons. Um, you can also send them in on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons. That's the name of the page there. And, of course, the email address is LockdownFalcons at mail.com. Um, M-A-I-L.com now that Keanu Neal is no longer here uh, had to switch up to you no I'm kidding guys it's an old joke if you're listening to the show for the first time you're not going to get that joke but uh, it's something from last week but so I apologize in advance um, on that bad joke but um, yeah send in your questions we'll, we'll get to those on, on Thursday and then on Friday we'll have a fan talk already got a guest lined up so um yeah, we'll we'll see if the Falcons get get the season back on track. I, I don't necessarily feel like it's all doom and gloom at this point in time. I think obviously there are issues that they're going to have to deal with. Um, I'm hoping that we will see a better performance from them at home against the Titans. Um, and you know some of the issues that I think may be road related. Uh, you know, I, I think hopefully some of those issues get resolved this week. Some of the sloppiness, I, I think, is somewhat related to being on the road and being in an uncomfortable environment and, and whatnot and all those various things that you, you tend to see teams not necessarily playing their best football in the road versus at home. So I'm hoping particularly the penalties and, and some of these things get sort of fixed uh, being at home this week. But, you know, then they go right back on the road, you know, what, two weeks in a row against Houston and Arizona. So, you know, these these issues are going to have to get fixed pretty quickly, even if they do get somewhat resolved this year or get at least get mitigated this week, I'm sorry, 
against the Titans. So we'll just have to sort of see how that goes. And um, yeah, I think this season they're still, you know, on track to be a playoff team, but they obviously have to play better. Is basically my takeaway from Sunday. Uh, but uh, we'll just see if that, you know, that'll be the question for the next couple of weeks before at some point that I'll be like maybe some of you guys that are already there being like, oh, it's it's a done. The season the season is is trash or whatever. But I, I I haven't gotten to that point yet at this point in time where it's like, oh, you know, get rid of the coach or anything like that. There you have it, guys. And uh, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Falcons, and I'll be right there with you from the drive. Until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.